This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. You shouldn't settle for just any old pair of leggings. You deserve something better, something designed with you in mind, like the new Inspire Leggings by Kalia, their most versatile collection yet, made for any workout. They're lightweight, buttery soft, breathable, and made with lycra adaptive fiber, which molds to your body for a barely there supportive fit. It's perfect for wherever your wellness routine takes you. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Hello, I'm Kellyanne Taylor from Radio Times and welcome to this very special Christmas episode of View From My Sofa. Each week over the festive period, we'll be sitting down with the stars of TV to talk all things telly. What do they watch? Where do they watch? And who do they watch with? This week's guests, Dick and Angel Strawbridge, join us from their French chateau to talk all things Christmas. The couple have achieved cult status with their Channel 4 series, which followed the renovation of a derelict 19th century chateau. Dick and Angel talked to me about the importance of tradition, how a rom-com kick-started their dream to uproot their lives and relocate to France, and why this is the last series of their Chateau adventure. Dick and Angel Strawbridge, welcome to View From My Sofa. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having us. (laughs) I'm so excited. I cannot tell you how much Escape to the Chateau has been a part of my life. It has kind of marked my um, family days. Uh, It's something we all watch together. So um, from the Taylor household, that's my household, um, we're very, very excited for this episode. Oh, thank you. We'll send our love to everybody in the Taylor household. Yeah, thank you very much for watching. (laughs) We just wonder who's out there watching. (laughs) Now we know. It's us. (laughs) Let's start with, so this is our Christmas episode. Um, what is the view from your sofa at Christmas time at the Chateau and where is your Christmas tree? So we have two it, sofas, there you two go. Two sofas, um, but I think they're probably very important. They're opposite each other with a table in the middle. And one of our sofas, which we bought over from um, the UK, the first sofa that we bought together, um, that faces our mantelpiece and our telly that's hidden in a cupboard so uh, the Baglioni's were, Christmas is very important <laughs> the Baglioni's um, who who did the architecture and the building of the house they absolutely love symmetry so we've got these two uh, cupboard well one is a cupboard and one is a door and they're symmetrical and Dick has created a television that you pull out from the cupboard um, on the side and you rotate it around so it's really big and we can put it away if we need to but at Christmas but, time but it's on. always out but even from that sofa which is towards the fireplace and the mantelpiece and the telly 
above the mantelpiece is a mirror. There's so a you mirror. get to see the Christmas tree because the Christmas tree is at the front of the chateau behind that sofa. However, if we change over to the sofa nearer the fire, you're looking <laughs> at the Christmas tree and yeah. at the front. And, it, and it's a very, very lovely view, actually. And um, yeah, from, from either direction. Talk me through your kind of festive Christmas traditions that you guys have as a family. Well, we've got tradition is very important to both of us, actually. I think it sort of defines what your family uh, is. And we've we've got old traditions that we have uh, brought with us from France. Um, and we've got we've got new new ones that have kind of evolved o- over the years. Like, uh, for instance, um, every year in France at Christmas time, we always go uh, oyster picking to get our fresh oysters <laughs> it's, Very it, nice. it's, it's interesting because all the traditions are around decorating and getting ready to party an oyster it started off with the boys going to get oysters yep. and then the family went to get oysters and this year it's been uh the men now yeah even arthur's and the man but we go for a trip and it sounds like that's very sexist, but actually the girls are busy back at home doing things like collecting all the foliage. Yeah. And you, your mum and Dorothy, have to go for your foliage we walk have every an year. Annual foliage walk, which is which is absolutely adorable. Um, we've also started a, a new tradition where we ring the bells uh, the day before Christmas, Christmas Eve, Eve um, so that the um, the reindeers know where they're coming, um, which is a really cute one. And actually, on Christmas Day, this is probably one of your favorites we um we walk the boundary so we go for a winter walk in the morning after um after the kids have got up about three o'clock we start start, start off with stockings (laughs) stockings upstairs in the bedrooms and on the bed and then it's before any presents downstairs are opened then we have a chance to sort of go for a little wander and get some fresh air Mm. before we continue so but at every stage it's little things that we do the christmas tree we go and choose our christmas tree and have it cut down and we love it. Yeah. That's a really hard thing. I used to go by myself and find the Christmas tree. Now everybody's got an opinion. <laughs> yeah. So we've got four of us choosing a Christmas tree. And the one we got this year, that was quite fun. It was a big it's the biggest one. Yeah. I mean we actually only just fitted. We put it up yesterday and literally there was about a centimetre between the top of the Christmas tree and the salon. And the salon is really, really tall. <laughs> High ceilings. And do you guys is it a big feast on Christmas Day? Is there a big roast? Morning is um, a start usually with something quite light, isn't it? Morning so we, is a, we have a ham or something. Yeah, we, we have ham ham and toast or something very simple to start with. But lunch is a proper... I don't think we... We don't tend to go straight into pudding after lunch because we tend no. to lunch out. Yeah, we, we're quite... Yeah, exactly. Mm. We, we're quite traditional. It, it is a feast, but it, it is as... Um, it, it's quite a, a traditional with sort of... Dick is always the one in the kitchen. I can't lie. I mean, we all do. We all do the prep, but but Dick and it would be Arthur and you know when James has been over, it's normally a um, a turkey or a capon um, and it's potatoes. Dick does the most incredible stuffing in the world. Yeah, it's a white sauce. It's all the chimneys. There's bread sauce with. There's going to be a gravy. There's about half a dozen different vegetables, so you can pretend it's healthy. And cranberry sauce and or, or red currant sauce if we make it ourselves. From our currants, yeah. and all in all, it's sort of it is a proper meal. Sit down, hungry, get up, tired. Oh, the best combination, especially on Christmas Day. Now, tell me, what TV 
and films do you watch over the Christmas period? We sit, we sit together on, on the sofa as often as we can over Christmas because we usually have quite a hard year. And when it comes down to sitting down... We we always watch Arthur Christmas. That's become a, a little tradition because our, our son's called Arthur. So we started watching it and then all of a sudden we watch it the second really year and we then we watch it. it We watch it every year. White Christmas yeah, will we'll put... You see, I've always watched White Christmas and I've got a lot of years of White Christmas under my belt, but there's a little boring bit in the middle. There's a little boring <laughs> bit in the middle where they do the dancey stuff that's very quite sort of... Uh, and I sort of people get lost to that, but they come together at the end for the tears and the, and the snow. But yeah, White, White Christmas is White Christmas. And I think with... I can't remember a Christmas that we haven't watched Home Alone or one of the one of the Home Alones, you know, it, Love Actually uses as well. Love, Love Actually, yeah, yeah, that's when the kids have gone to bed. We we watched that. Um, yeah, yeah. It, Soppy, it, it's, yeah, Soppy. Right. Like, so many Love <laughs> So so we do we we love. We're very busy throughout the year and Christmas time. In fact, I was t- talking about this last night that one of um, my fondest memories around the festive season, not just on Christmas Day, is sitting in our salon all together, snuggling up with the dog um, and and having the fire going and having the twinkly lights because it's Christmas time that you don't you don't feel guilt for stopping because there's always so much to do in the year and because you know everyone is kind of doing that as well you mentioned it there when the kids have gone to bed you get to watch love actually but (laughs) who controls the remote at your household at Christmas (laughs) that's a really hard question I definitely don't well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and reminder, I just had sanctioned that I have control of the remote. Darling, you said quite categorically I was in charge of the remote. This year could be the year of the remote. Oh, sure. How good is that? I, I, yeah. I don't even know where the You've on got... button is. Yeah. See, yeah. When the children go to bed, sometimes we go upstairs anyway and we'll sort of watch things up, up in the suite we have upstairs. So it, it is... We, we we try and chill out properly, yeah. don't we? Uh, out because the house is is quite big. Um, when when the children go to bed, we actually don't like to be too far away from them. So Are we've we? got we've got our me. I don't like to be too far away from. Them. So we've got our Shawbridge Street, which is always lovely and snuggly. Um, and we'll we'll watch you know television. We'll stream it through um through our computers, and we'll um, and we'll sit in our horizontal <laughs> office and. But have at a Christmas glass time, we do sit downstairs a lot more in front of the telly as a family. As don't a family, we? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Guys, I want to take it back now to your childhoods to really dig into your children festivities and talk about telly and your life in those years. So let's start with you, Dick. You're the third of seven children and you were born in Burma, but grew up in Northern Ireland. What was Christmas like for you growing up? Amazingly good. I have had a, a very privileged life and um, Christmas was the epitome of family. One of seven children, mum and dad, and my dad didn't really get to celebrate Christmas when he was a youngster. And so he was another child when it came to our Christmases every year. He loved it. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, in our household, it always grew up. Christmas was for children and New Year was for the adults. Uh, but we had the most amazing Christmases. Father Christmas, we even saw him at the end of our road one Christmas when, we, you know, it was snowing. We actually saw him at the end of our road when I was sitting down at Christmas Eve because he walked past him with his sack and everything. Unbelievable. We had, we had that was all for us. And we, um, very special, very special, but all about sort of family together. The turkey my mum and sisters back in Northern Ireland still order the biggest turkey they can find because when you're a big part of it, the bigger the turkey, it has to survive through to the next couple of days. And um, I think very, very privileged. Sitting around the telly was what you did back in the day. 
I can, I can remember us going from the black and white to a color television, a real investment. God, that must be back at the late 60s, early 70s. And before certain programs, there would be a little announcement for our, our viewers who work with color televisions. I'm afraid the next program is in black and white. And you go, oh, <laughs> but there's only about three channels to choose from anyway, back in the day. But we would sit yeah. down as a family and we'd watch it until he wasn't on all the time. The test card finished the telly for the day. You, did, you had a couple of channels and a limited amount of time to watch it. But as a family, yeah, that's families are about sitting down and being together. And one of the things that I think we've appreciated most in France is that the family has been a huge part of our life, just being together. Yeah. And Angel, you know, you were born and raised in Essex. What was Christmas like for you growing up? And, and what are your first kind of TV memories from those periods? Well, Okay, Christmas when I was growing up was always gorgeous on Christmas Day, but the run up to it was hectic. So my entire childhood, my dad's a jeweller and um, he had a jewellery shop and all the run up to it, they were working tirelessly. And on Christmas Eve, I, I remember my dad just literally, he would be working until 11, 12 o'clock at night. He had a little bench at home. He was still making things for people. He had so much to do and he was doing most of the work and dropping things. And then because my mum was supporting my dad, um, you know, we were we were sometimes putting the Christmas tree up on Christmas Eve and I was helping mum wrap the prezzies and it was crazy. And then as I started getting a little bit older um, and and my brother was a bit more involved in the, in the jewellery shop, my mum got a restaurant. So, <laughs> so so we were sure from... properly busy <laughs> so it was the same but then I would work on Christmas day helping my mum out in the restaurant so we have had but so when we got those moments of of downtime we were all absolutely gorgeously tired and appreciative and it would be around the telly and we didn't have the things you know I mean I'm sure everyone says this we didn't have the, any streaming um, devices I mean it was um you know it was videos and I think we had one video in the house and and we would you know there was five channels four channels probably and we'd just watch you know, whatever was on television and and I think I, I'm sure my earliest memories were sort of like it was uh, Mary Poppins and and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and and it was always as soon as a film come on then everyone would just be like drawn into it but but regardless of that apart from the dinner the television was always on you know and interesting Mary Poppins for me was a Christmas memory but that was going to the cinema because it was new (laughs) it hadn't been through the system and come on to telly to oh that's interesting (laughs) I love that. And Dick, let's talk about your early days and your career. So you attended the Royal Military Academy in Sandhurst. What were you like as a young adult? Perfect. <laughs> Short yeah. but sweet. I have to get my story right for the children. Yeah, My older two, uh, James and, and Charlotte, they've already been through that. They know how perfect I am. And I have to keep reminding <laughs> Arthur and Dorothy. I was actually quite naughty all the way through. Even as a young army officer, I was known to spent quite a lot of time doing extra duties, but um, you learn a lot in the military. And I was fortunate mm. because having left home and come across the sixth form college and then going off to join the army, um, I had a lot of fun experience, worked with a lot of really interesting people. And my life has been charmed because I've had three careers. I've had my military career, yeah. I've had my career within the industry, and then I've had my career as a TARP. And sort of being, uh, a tarp. Just and doing all these things. that. <laughs> 
just to be sure. But, but all of those things, it's about living. And I think in the army, mm. when you when you're a youngster, you know, I played rugby. Um, every sort of I played rugby practically professionally because that's all I did for a couple of seasons when I was at the peak of that. I did a lot of um, time working and just basically as a young adult, I, I suppose I was learning. But I was learning in an environment where integrity was all. It's so important because you have to, you have to just be straight and be honest to be a, a leader of people. And I loved it. Mm. So it was fun. Yeah. But, I, but I was quite smart and a lot thinner. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, Angel, I want to come on to you because I remember when... I'm trying to think how old I would have been when Escape to the Chateau, we started watching it as a family, but... A little bit younger. Um, and I remember my dad was kind of obsessed with the show. He loves design shows and and really getting behind the scenes. And I remember watching one of the first episodes that I'd seen and you were on screen and it was just this vision of red with this like extraordinary fashion sense that I just hadn't seen on telly. And I was like, wow, who is this woman? Oh, I love you for saying that. Thank you. <laughs> oh God. I was obsessed. And also I love France and I love Chateau. So I was just, it was me all over. But you began your career selling vintage goods in old Spitterfields market and you've also got a background in business. And I didn't know this, but you did appear on Dragon's Den. <laughs> what were you like as a young adult? Gorgeous. Yeah, well, still is. Gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Where did you see your career going? What vision did you have for your life? Well, I think if you if you asked my mum what I was like as a kid, she would actually say I was perfect. <laughs> so... I- don't know what your mum we love say. mothers we love mothers um but i was um i was i was quite dyslexic okay so not the best um uh, the best reader and writer um but i absolutely like i genuinely love business and i love being organized and i love a spreadsheet you know i organize most of our life on on spreadsheets so it felt very natural um to do something in business and it really is the core probably to everything we do because if you to ask me what I would describe myself as now, I'd probably say an entrepreneur because that's sort of how I've always done things. And I think the type of person that I I, I am, I've always been a bit fearless. You know, I'd rather try something and see where where it goes to. But I always had as a, as a passion. Um, I love putting on a party. I was always and still am very sociable. Um, and and I and I and I love old things. So it is a bit of a joke, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit of a joke now, but um, you know when I like when I started liking it, which was you know under ten years old, it wasn't trendy, it wasn't vintage, it was second hand when I started thrifting, and I have been collecting. You know, I'm forty four now, and I've been collecting all, for all of that time. So. Whilst I love business, I was on the side running things that, that genuinely made me happy and I was doing something for my for myself. Um, and it got to the point where the vintage side of things, you know, I just pulled together everything that I loved, my vintage, my hosting. And, and that's when the vintage patisserie um, was born, where I actually went on Dragon's Den with. And it was, it was about a lifestyle vintage brand. And then actually from Dragon's Den... Um, 
um, in a in a, a sort of sweet twist of of, of fate, um, I met Dick because uh, I got a television agent um, who was Dick's television agent, and she match made us. Um, so you know this kind of sort of uh, uh, sort of sliding doors. Um, it was all it was it was meant to be. And you guys met in two thousand and ten. Tell me about when you first met. Did you have a shared love of telly? Did you like the same programs? Are there any programs that mark big points in your relationship? The first thing is I didn't actually have a telly because I was so busy in... I know, that's weird, isn't it? It's really weird. She didn't have a telly. (laughs) But, I mean, this is actually quite poignant because we was on holiday in Carcassonne. It was our first holiday together and we watched A Good Year. Russell Crowe, the city uh, sort of um, city gent type thing, ends up inheriting a chateau. Great, it's a nice rom com. Have you seen it? Yeah, no, I haven't. Oh, that's a film to watch. Yeah, it's definitely. uh, Basically, I'll put that on my list. Yeah, it's a real must, and it it did actually mark us sort of um, or inspire us to start that evening in Carcassonne, in in France, saying. Well, actually, we could live. We could live here, couldn't we? We could live in France, and we was in this beautiful jeep. We just watched this film. You know, it's all pre pre children. So talking about telly, and, uh, because we remember we didn't have a television together. Because when I went to London, we we never actually sat down. That's the part of it. But here we were in this um, what was a, an amazing, well, must be five hundred year old uh, village in a little house, with, oh, it was quite rickety, with a huge log fire, a sofa, two of us watching telly with a glass of red wine, some, yeah. some cheese, and we were just, it was just idyllic. And we sat down and we watched this film where somebody moves to France and has a good life. And that was actually, mm. we thought, well, why don't we do that? <laughs> I didn't want to live up in London. Angela didn't want to come and live in Cornwall. And we were still trying to decide where we'd live. And that was the and France made the, the honestly the perfect uh, solution to to both of us. We we loved it. It was you know had the romantic side of it. Um, and that evening we got on the internet and kind of it, honestly that that film sit and that holiday sealed our fate. Oh my gosh! Right. So for those who don't know, <laughs> in two thousand and fifteen, you came across a derelict nineteenth century chateau in France with forty five rooms a moat, orangery, the various outbuildings, and decided to pack up your life in London and move to France. So that idea came from that film, I guess. It planted the seed. But there's a little bit in between. There's, there's, there's years of looking in between. Yeah, from that we, film to that moment, we continuously looked. And we, we just knew we wanted to have the life. But we started off thinking it could be a nice, simple little house and because you can buy a house quite cheaply in France. And that was mm. the, the first sort of thing was, well, we can live, I had a pension, we had book royalties, we wrote, we did things. We could have a simple life. But we looked and we spent years looking and searching. And eventually we had a sort of a wish list, which is a whole number of things. Everything from a walled garden, an orangery, a moat, towers, even number of towers, not odd numbers, so it wasn't monkey. <laughs> um, a symmetry, beauty, um, and all these things that we had on our list. And that evolved over years. And then when we found Chateau de la Motte, all of a sudden we were actually in France looking, weren't we? Yeah, it was we we was and and we got the um we, we came for one of our trips to see it have a second viewing of a property, not this one. Um and it got sent through to us. Um and we literally drove um down We were at breakfast, got an email, looked at the picture, Angela started dribbling. 
She started like, sort of going, blah, blah, this is the one. Let's make an offer. I said, no, we have to actually look at it before we make an offer. And no. we got in the car yeah. and we drove. I knew instantly it was the one, though. It was just everything that we had dreamt of. And, and actually, after four years of searching, you kind of know what you want and what you don't want and what you're prepared to pay. Um, and this, this honestly, this was everything that we could have dreamt of and more. You say that. And I want to get into the mindset because I know what it's like when you see something and you know that 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 ticks all your boxes. You know, I have the same. I have a flat in Finsbury Park. It's it's not mine. I rent. Um, but for me, it was has to have a bathtub, has to have loads of shelves for books and preferably old, shabby chic. You know, that was my vibe. I walked in, knew that that was me. Big windows, you know, single glaze. So it's always cold, but it's always light. You know, that's the life we choose. <laughs> But when you guys moved out there, let's let's paint a picture for listeners. So you moved to a foreign country in the middle of winter. There's no electricity or working sewerage or heating with your two children, Dorothy and Arthur. What goes through your head in that moment? This is silly, isn't it? <laughs> um, Why would anyone do this? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, because you know what? The cue was we found it. And as soon as we found it, we bought it in the in the quickest time scale we could buy it. So we did all of the paperwork and the paperwork, and it all came through so that it was ours in January. And um, we moved out. We'd been renting in South End, so we got in the car, packed up all the stuff, put stuff into storage because it wasn't ready for it, and we we headed south. The <laughs> the, the stupidity of of it is it is it's massive, but we stayed that little bit longer in um, England so Arthur could have his second birthday party with all the people he knew around him and we left the day after Arthur's second birthday didn't we, <laughs> yeah, we and we changed countries we in the middle of winter but we the the truth of it as, as as well is that unless unless we had a budget that was three or four times what we had we had to have something that was a doer upper. You know, if we'd got, if we'd found somewhere that, you know, had all the windows sorted and sewage, and I mean, we could have picked something up for a million, a million and a half, but we were absolutely not in that. The beauty was, was that we had our budget um, and it was under 300,000 and we found this place for 345,000 euros. Of course, it needed a lot of work doing to it. Um, And you essentially, it's it's the old saying, you know, you pay for what, you get and we knew that we had a lot of work years and years of work to because we had to we had to work put money in the bank and then do things as we went along and that is what we have done what were your hopes and expectations when you went out there you know what was your end goal what was the vision where did you kind of you know how long did you give yourself to say from the day we move in to this point x years later <laughs> doesn't work like that doesn't work like that you know you you eat the elephant a bite at a time and we just knew which end we were starting at okay and that was the key thing we were always evolving into the next step and to say we knew how long it was going to take wasn't right because what happened was we would work we'd invest the wedding started we had the, the food lovers weekends we had people coming and um, we had all of these happening that were sort of in there and we were knew that every time a penny came in it went into the chateau and all of that mindset, I think, is really quite important because we are now eight years in and um, it's very comfy. We have got more to do. We will always have more to do. We've always got things going on in our life here. Yeah. And that's the key thing is that it doesn't just finish. 
And and, and there's yeah. we've, we've we've always got masses more we can do. There's too many moving parts. There's too many variables um, along the way to 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 plan. Did you did have like a utility plan? You know that this these pipes would have to be done first. This job would be done first. But you and and the aspiration side of it. Well, essentially, we wanted the chateau eventually to be able to pay for itself. Um, but but the overriding one was that we wanted this to be um, a lovely family home um, and a place that could potentially um, double up as somewhere that that would be our revenue so we didn't have to go out to work because up until this point you know Dick is a television presenter he was and he would go away even during our first few years of living here he would go away and present for for weeks at a time and we knew that eventually we wanted to make sure that everything was chateau based and it and it's happened but but it's happened slowly let's talk about that because dick you had a career in television before escape to the chateau but how did you guys come up with the idea to film the process of renovating it's interesting because we were part of the way through we made our decision we were doing it as a family we're part of the way through and we looked for four years we saw hundreds of, of properties angela on the internet saw tens of thousands of properties not not just the odd one and what we could get on the story and the fact that we were sort of moving away from convention into uh, an area that was sort of a bit fairy tale and fantasy but completely doable we thought was worth actually saying it's when you when, when people are looking at stuff remember i've been in telly sort of for the last 20 plus years and something that's aspirational people can want to go and do it that's all well and good but to have it actually accessible as well and for 280,000 pounds that is the price of a bedsit in east london but for that's the price of a castle with all the buildings the we bought three other houses at the same time we got three free houses at the same time as we got the sort of the the um the chateau three and the outbuildings permissions and if you look at that you think this is definitely a story worth telling because and and we and we and we wanted to we wanted to tell the story but we were we bought the um we bought the chateau regardless of whether we were doing television or not so um so we hadn't, we hadn't actually decided to do tell you when we'd actually signed and put up paid so, the money so we we had already bought the chateau um paid a deposit in october of the of 14 and it wasn't until actually a couple of months after that um that that the channel 4 actually um said that they wanted the show um and also and we had really thought it through as well so regardless of whether it was telly or not we were still doing it um but but you know what the the Channel thought it was a um, a lovely idea, um, and so you know we just we just went for it. I want to kind of get in the mindset of um, you had experience on screen, you'd worked with it on television, but I guess it something that does feel different is inviting cameras into your home and to film your family life. So what was that kind of process like? And you know, did it become normal? Were there any kind of did you have any apprehension about doing it? Absolutely, yes. Um, you have, the thing is that um, when it comes to how you make television, you know, there's an awful lot of people who have got different agendas. And for us, quite simply, um, the idea was a good idea. But we did have a very simple um, sort of um, bar that had to be uh, people had to go over, and that was to make sure they fitted in. And you know, when it comes to the family, there's nothing more important here at the chateau than Arthur and Dorothy, 
to start with, and us and Jenny and Steve and everybody here. So the family has to come first. So we only want people to be here who can actually fit in and be part of that. And it's interesting because um, we were, we were, we've got sort of Quentin and Sasha and, and, and Tina and Steve. We've got people who've been working with us who have fitted in eight years ago. Yeah. And they're sort of still, still with here. us all the way through because that works. And other people have come and other people have gone. But I think for us, we were very aware. People had to actually understand the- family home first. Camera second. Um, and also from the camera side of thing, there is only like one person here. So it's not like a big crew. Um, you know, that that one person. And then um, over over the years, um, there was a, se- a second person, like an, an AP. And we've had... producer, and yeah. we've had our um like Chloe who's been here um for for five years now and, and she's like we call her our third child. You know, I'll, we'll get shopping and we'll get, get like shopping half and of the clothes shopping for, for all three of our children. <laughs> so they very much sort of like part of, and these people that now that have been in our lives for um a long time they're going to be a part of our lives forever, you know, and uh, and that that does not stop. But it is very important, as Dick said, that they have to fit in and they have to remember that this is is a home and and it's children as well that you're working with. So you've got to got to it's got to be fun. And if there's any kind of you know odd oddness, kids pick up on it. So that's why we've always been very protective of that. And it's another, yeah. the other thing as well is um, this is not a produced show in that we don't have people coming up with ideas. And if you get to see people on television, when you the character, if it's produced, people play to what, what they see. And for us, it's, it's yeah. very, I love the fact that um, it's observational documentary and style. And also in the fact that we do what we're going to do. We have a big chat with the channel. We have a chat with our people we're actually making the telly. We let them know what we're doing. And, and we're talking, so everybody knows what we're doing. But it isn't a matter of, ah, uh, this year we'd like you to do this. We'd like you to do that. Because we the investment is, yeah. the investment is, yeah, we pay for it. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the investment is huge. The children are part of, and we're investing for our future. Things like nobody mm. in the right mind would have done what we've done in the period we've done. And, yeah. and, and this year particularly has been silly. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, it's been, we've got a couple of um, corkers like going to be in this series still to come. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Does it ever get normal seeing yourself on screen? Or is it always a bit, God, that's me? We don't watch ourselves that much in the, the uh, w- when it's on. Like, like for instance, my mum and dad, they just watch it all the time. So my mum as well. Yeah. Everybody watches and listens to how wonderful we are. It gets family. Yeah. But actually, for, for us, um, getting it to that point is more important. I've been in telly for, uh, I did my first television in 98. And I became full-time, uh, uh, 20 years I've been a full-time presenter. And yes, you look at yourself, and you, but it is sort of, it's a job and it's normal. And you think about what you're doing. But for us, it's much more that we are still trying to keep, um, make sure that people realise that we are who we are as opposed to actors, actors. <laughs> I don't wear yeah. makeup very often, though when people watch the programme, the most recent programme came out, they noticed I had nail varnish on because Dorothy did my nails really wonderful colours. So um, I had I had my nail varnish on, but not my lippy. <laughs> and I want to know what have been the highlights for you over the kind of last eight years? What memories really stick in your head as being you know ones you're never going to forget 
I think for you, turning on the plug for the first time, maybe. <laughs> like, you know, and, and I still marvel at the fact when we turn the switches, lights come on in the room. And that that's ridiculous. Um, for One of the highlights for me was when we put our final bathroom suite in the potagerie suite we can we, we and that's the one with the lovely copper bath and and the, and and all that's a beautiful suite but that was the last suite in the chateau we did and we connected the system to the first pipe that we put in with uh, lee and kyle the plumbers the, in the couple of weeks we were in france before we moved into the chateau working and we put that connection into the connection that we put in on the first day now that oh, wow. is pretty special. And uh, we have tried every time not to waste and try to plan ahead. And the whole pro- the whole thing, we say we eat an elephant and divide a time. We talk about the size of the problem. But by we plan. Apart from Angela's spreadsheets, we do spend a lot of time thinking to make sure that we don't go backwards at any stage. Oh, gosh. Mm. And, and, I mean, life here is is pretty special. I mean, we, we, we work hard. But I think the ones that do stick in your mind are often the first because um you know they they have that 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 different level of of excitement and also anticipation um but I, I remember the first the first booking that we ever got the first email that we ever got when um when we, when, when we the, the the first sort of wedding deposit we ever had the first wedding we ever did you know and of, of course there's always going to be little things that don't go go to plan but you you factor them in um and then they're not a shock and they're not like oh my gosh you know we have to move back to england because the ice is not is all melted etc you know it, it's they're all just part of the big tapestry of of growing um the first arthur's first school party you know um, arthur's first, first birthday school. party the first days you had to learn pp is... and cat so we could go to the loo because <laughs> he was like just for three hours oh. in the morning I had to learn french to go to the loo yeah. Yeah, and you were in tears for most of the morning. I seem to remember, but but the first. And after a while, you start to get into the, the the new norm, and and I think this year has been a year like like no other because um, whilst we got actually quite sleek at the processes that we have um, in place to make the weddings um, and events run very smoothly, we felt like we were starting a game with it all. No one had forgotten anything, but you know, after a couple of years, stuff, stuff had been moved yeah. all around the house, um, and and also we'd re-rendered the house. The house was very very dirty. Um, not it's always clean, but that that it was just like a spring clean um, t- times about three or four. Um, so this year was 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 definitely a year like no other. I, I would say there's there's yeah. things that stick in your mind. I've got a, one of my pictures in my mind was Arthur and Dorothy helping me in the garden. The first winter um, we we got through um, after we'd moved in, and we were in, we hadn't got a lot of money, and we weren't we weren't on telly until the summer afterwards. So we were getting our money coming in for the weddings and for the food lovers, and that's what we were pushing on the internet. Nobody had ever seen us on television, and I had Arthur and Dorothy helping me in the garden. And I remember when I was small helping my father in the garden, picking up stones and things. But I've got the picture of them in the garden but Dorothy in her little tartan coat (laughs) with a little fur collar looking so absolutely gorgeous playing in the mud in the spring because we had actually got into our garden for the first time now the walled garden is stunning and they both plant things and they both get involved but right from the very beginning and even from Arthur with the first time he said chicken yeah we got our first chickens and they realized an egg came out of the bottom of a chicken you know things like that are quite special yeah, it's the big things as well as the these tiny little beautiful nuances that just make make sort of like life here quite lovely. What's also interesting is you guys 
are partners, but you also run a business. And I wonder, what is that like? And also your business is you're also your home. So it's, <laughs> it's a lot going on in, in one space. You can answer that. It, it is. Um, <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> no, 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 hold on, no. Let it get one second of this one. Um, democracy is something I defended for years I never practised, all right? And Angela just took to that naturally. Angela is um, bossy. She is the boss in a lot of things. We talk about spreadsheets. Um, business-wise, Angela's definitely got the reins of the the business when it comes to our different skills, that naturally has come about because I know some things because I'm old and I've, I've just got more knowledge in some areas. Yeah. And um, for example, today we had, we had a short circuit just before the call, we had a short circuit in, and, and flipped a switch in one of the tablets, one of the, the distribution boards. And it was the one Matt mentioned Foss Septique, which is the toilet pumps. Mm. Yeah. And, um, if I'd left Angela to do that, nothing would have happened. So I have my role when it comes to toilets. <laughs> and, all right, from the very beginning of working here, I've been Mr. Toilets. Yeah, we we, we do. We have our roles. Um, and I, and, I, and I'm the, I do a lot of the admin side of things because Dick sort of gets involved in a lot of the, uh, the you know, the, the, the manual sort of electrical, all sorts of stuff. So, so we, we are, we are good like that. And also we, we, we definitely have heated discussions, passionate discussions about things that we, we argue. Yeah. And, um, um, uh, a, a lot, but we, the thing is, is that we never, um, we've got the same values and we love each other to bits. So an argument is never, you know, sort of, um, it's not a bad thing. It's just a different matter of opinion. And we talk through it, we argue through it, and we always come out with a good solution <coughs> at the end of it. Well, that's the whole thing, because we both get, we have, apparently we've both got vetoes, so we can actually stop things happening. But in the end, we, we, <laughs> we uh, I don't know, I'm squeezing my wife's leg here, as you can see. <laughs> she's a a girl she's a girl we're fortunate because actually we're going the same direction we've got a common objective and we're doing it now guys this news saddened me when i found out but series which is beloved globally you've got a really big audience across the world is on its ninth and final series why bring it to a close it's come from from us as as a natural time um, with us where we are with the children and every year actually we kind of have that that chat at the end of the year starting the next year um, you know because we're still always got a lot to do and we actually still even at this moment will always have things to do and we kind of sort of say to each other. Um, are we are we going to film another series? Um, and every year it's felt right, but but this year. It, it it just felt that it come to a natural a natural ending, and I, yeah, I think it's I think it's, that's it's we make the decision based on what we are doing and who we are and what's happening in our life. Um, the first series going into the second series, we didn't know if anybody was going to watch it, and so when we got asked to do a second one, it was less of a discussion. Then it was, mm. hey, people actually watched the first one, <laughs> which we and so we, we we went into the second one. But after the second one, people there's been a bit of a, a momentum behind it because people have have been engaged with us in doing it. We're at a stage now as a family where we've got masses more we could do. We, we could easily come up with sort of storylines for a couple more series here with all the activities going on. And it's almost interesting doing things and not filming them. I'm thinking, oh, people would love... The pigsty, the work that's going on in the pigsty, which was a ruin, but it's now going to be my studio. And there's some other bits and pieces that are going on. They're special. But the family, 
Um, Dorothy's eight. Arthur's nine. They're going to be um, nine and ten next year. They're getting to a point where actually we've people have seen them grow up. And I think from our perspective, they've had an innocence and a joy doing what we do. And for us to sort of say, I think God and I, nobody's asked us to stop yet. So that's good. That's a tick that says, <laughs> you know, going on until you fall off the edge was never going to happen with us. It, and so for us to do it, because I think Arthur and Dorothy have got this history, this memory, we have built and we've got the chateau. So the chateau is a lovely, lovely place to be. And it's quite special. We've got lots of things we intend to do, but what we're going to do is sort of, um, if you like, protect it, that sort of little family bit of it. Absolutely. It, it's it's really fine, I think, to finish things when everything is great and at a high. It's actually when things should be. And then everyone's memory of that, and that's what we're interested in, is the memory that the children have, you know. Mm. And as Dorothy becomes growing into a young lady and, and, and a teenager, a teenager, we want to preserve that beautiful, happy, wonderful innocence. Um, and, you know, the this year has just been really, really, really gorgeous. And we just think it's the it's the right it's the right time to do it well you will be massively missed by the taylor household (laughs) and i'm sure many other households across the globe now guys just before we finish i have some quick fire festive questions um so i give you a combination of things and then the first answer that comes to your head is the one that you should say (laughs) so mistletoe or christmas tree christmas tree you're supposed to join in and jump in and say it. Christmas tree. I mean, you see what you want. We're allowed to be different. Christmas tree. It is Christmas tree because it's hours of work with bloody Christmas tree mistletoe. <laughs> but we can, and by the way, in France, we've got so much mistletoe. It's unbelievable. I can kiss her anywhere. I know I've seen. I can kiss my wife anywhere. <laughs> so romantic. <laughs> Moving on. Favourite Christmas song? Oh, I call Sad. Um, I call... Um, Mummy Kissing Sad. Yeah, that one. <laughs> White, Chris, White Christmas. White Christmas. <laughs> I'm dreaming. Here we go. Favourite festive snack and drink of choice? Eggnog. Mince pie. Ooh. You can't get them in France. You can't get mince pies in France. They're backward. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Moving on. Present you'd most like to receive? Oh, um, something made from the kids, really. Yeah, we don't, we, we don't need, <laughs> need anything. anything. <laughs> so, 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 so I'll, I'll always like a nice pen or another pen knife. Would you? Yeah, I, I, that's what I would use all the time. <laughs> Just, just pretty because noted, noted. Yeah, and then, oh, I turn around and show you my collection of pen knives and pens. I don't need any more. I don't need anything. Worst present you've ever been gifted? Oh, I, I honestly, I can't remember. I think it's quite funny when um, some some people have given us some items of clothing, and I look at them and think, I don't even know if they'll fit on Arthur and Dorothy's teddies. <laughs> never mind my body. Yeah. So whenever anybody gives you something, and say it's an extra large, and you just know, well, that's nice. It'll go on one leg. So so think, clothing is not a great thing for me. That might make a good curtain though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reuse it. Yes. It'll make a, it'll make a sort of a a seat. Your, a, your a, stuff. a cushion. Yeah. yeah there you go. And last but not least, favourite family tradition. Sitting on the bed at the end of the year, looking for all of our photos and talking about... That's because we've got the photos chronologically. We sit and we usually put aside a little bit of time and it takes us a lot of time sitting, having a a cup of tea in bed uh, with with the children and just sort of going through the year. New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Mm. That brings the year to an end lovely. 
gorgeous well guys thank you so much for coming on view from my sofa it's been an thank absolute you. pleasure and a real treat for me <laughs> to meet the people behind escape <laughs> to the chateau so thank you so much thank you for having us it's really been lovely and thank have a so lovely much. lovely christmas to all the to tailors, all the tailors. <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys take and, care. and to everyone that's listening yeah. right. take care yeah. bye <laughs> Thanks for listening to View From My Sofa. If you want to hear more from Radio Times, don't miss our Smart TV podcast in which we tell you what shows to watch this week and one to avoid. And if you want to read more interviews with the stars of the small screen, don't forget to pick up your copy of Radio Times out every Tuesday. That's all. Thanks for listening.